You're listening to the She Leads Me podcast, episode number 15 with Hillary Hendershot, certified financial planner and speaker at the upcoming She Leads Me Women's Leadership event. You're listening to the She Leads Me podcast, where women come together for powerful conversations around life and leadership. Each episode will bring you conversations with incredible women in leadership, tools you need as a badass female pioneer, and spicy topics around business and leadership. I am your host, Heather Simpson. My mission is to educate and empower women in leadership positions, taking them to the next level in their journey and career. Welcome to She Leads Me. Hello, she leaders. It's Heather Simpson. As you can tell, I am getting pretty gosh darn excited here. We are getting closer and closer to our event, our women's leadership event in March 14th and 15th in downtown Seattle. Today, I am introducing you to our guest keynote speaker, Miss Hillary Hendershot. I'm not going to take too much time with you here today because I really want to dive into today's interview. You will notice that we don't talk about the event in our interview because I actually interviewed Hillary and became so um, like immediately impressed with not only her knowledge, but her relatability and just who she is as a person and as a woman. I, in this interview, felt like I was able to connect with her so well, I thereafter started the conversations with her about being a guest speaker on our stage. So we don't actually talk about the event, we don't actually talk about what she's going to be speaking to at the event, but we do get a really great insight as to who she is as a certified financial planner and the huge, vast experience and knowledge that she has within her industry. She has an incredible story. She comes from a background in finance where her family was in the financial world and they were the ones that introduced her into it. She talks about her own personal story with money, her own relationship with money. And then she also talks about some of her personal life, which even hearing on the playback and and getting this interview ready to produce for you guys, I started to cry. I cried in the interview and I started to cry again here today, just getting this interview ready. She is such an incredible woman with so much passion as to what she does. And I am just really honored that she's going to be joining us. The reason why we are talking about money, it's because you don't talk enough about it. At this event, we are not just here to talk about the same old business practices, the same old how we do this, how we gain clients, yada, yada. Like that's not happening. We are talking about the whole female, the entirety of what takes up our lives, which guess what is not all business. And if it is all business, then we need to chat because it should be a bit more balanced than that. But we're actually going to talk about things like financial wealth. We're going to talk about how we make sure that we are in tune and in check with our emotional wellness as well. And 
dive into the authenticity factor of who we are and really standing strong in that. Bringing together the financial piece was a really important thing for me. And after I interviewed Hillary, which you'll hear today, like she just, she blows it out of the water. I learned so much on this interview. It was incredible. She has a great podcast called Profit Boss Radio. She has a fabulous website that goes really in depth. And then she just, she does share so much with us here today. So I'm really excited to introduce to you one of our keynote speakers, Ms. Hillary Hendershot. For more information about the event, make sure you head over to sheleadsme.com. We do still have some VIP ticket spots left. As of this recording, they were about halfway sold out. So I'd love for you to go on and head over to our website, see all the information that you need to find there, and go ahead and register for your ticket. You guys aren't going to want to miss this. You're going to want to hear what our speakers have to say. You're going to want to hear what I have to say, and you're going to want to meet those women that will be in the room with you. Thank you for tuning in. And here we have Hillary Hendershot. Hello, Hillary. How are you today? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. We are really excited to have this conversation today and to chat with you about your area of expertise, which is finances, which a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about. And I've become such a huge fan of your podcast, Profit Boss Radio, and find it so valuable that I am pumped to have our audience be able to connect with you today and hear what you have to say around this topic. So let's start there. The financial world can be so big and vast. Tell us a bit more about who you are and what you specifically do. Sure. So I run a registered investment advisory firm. So what that means is I'm a comprehensive fiduciary fee only financial advisor. There's a lot of words in there. I said, I'll pull them apart and talk about them to the extent that you're interested. But essentially, I help my clients uh, achieve their financial goals. So, uh, you're the chief executive officer of your financial life. It's your job to say where we're going. And it's my job to say how, what's it going to take for us to get there. Mm. And in order to do that, I typically am investing their nest egg for them. So I build investment portfolios and that grow and compound over time. And then we talk about all the other aspects of your financial life. You need to have all the pieces working in order to bulletproof yourself and make sure that you don't don't make mistakes or nobody takes money from you. You know, like once you build it, you have to mm-hmm. protect it. Right. So I talk to them about in, in income tax. I talk to them about estate planning and insurance and mortgage and whether to buy real estate and how to send the kids to college. And so um, my training is I'm a certified financial planner. So that that designation means that I have, um, you know, approximately master's level coursework in those areas of financial planning. So income, I, I know about income tax and estate planning and mm-hmm. use that knowledge to make sure that people are on track to achieve their goals. Right. Awesome. And your firm that you've built is also so different than a lot of stuff that's out there when you talk about fee only type of program. Tell us a little bit more about how that differentiates you from another firm yeah, I will. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the opportunity. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> so 
so historically, let me just compare myself to Wall Street advisor. Right. So you right. you you know what a stockbroker is, and a stockbroker is someone who says to you, Heather, we should buy X, Y, and Z stock, and the next week he says we should sell Y and buy A, and the next week he says we should sell A and buy Z, mm-hmm. and you know you're taking those phone calls, and uh, and you know, and everyone who's listening probably knows that that person, that stockbroker, earns a commission every time he buys and sells a stock. Mm. Well, then some really smart guys got together and put and put together and they were guys, sorry, but um, (laughs) got together and did a lot of research on the on the stock market. And they said what they found was, well, actually, what we should be doing instead of buying and selling all the time is buying and holding. And so stockbrokers couldn't make money that way. And so people started calling themselves financial advisors. And by the way, financial advisor is not a term that's regulated. So you don't Mm. have to pass any tests to call yourself a financial advisor. Oh, interesting. I know. So but if you go to a Wall Street bank, a big bank with a brand name like Wells Fargo or Merrill Lynch or Edward Jones or uh, Ameriprise, these guys are not whether they're guys or gals, they're not fiduciaries and they're not not fee only, which means they're attached to a financial institution that has products to sell you, whether those be proprietary mutual funds or investments that have front loads or back loads. And some of these times these costs are not, they don't not actually required to tell you that they're in there. They're sort of baked into the product. Mm. And so if you go to an Ameriprise financial advisor, you're going to get a lot different investments in your account than if you go to a Merrill Lynch or a Wells Fargo, because they're selling you branded stuff. Okay. So, yeah. So as a, so, and they're probably getting paid on the back, they're going to charge you a fee. And then there's also going to be little ways that they get paid inside the account that they may, in my experience, they never tell you about. Mm. Uh, So contrast that with an independent fiduciary advisor. We've taken an oath to put our client interests before our own. As an independent, I have no relationship with a bank brokerage or financial institution. I only get paid by my clients, which means they never pay commissions. Mm. So um, my entire financial compensation is transparent and I get paid. It's like I, 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 I I get paid to give advice. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't get paid to sell any products. I don't sell insurance. I don't, I I sell nothing except my advice. Mm -hmm. And so it makes for a very clean relationship. If I were not a financial advisor and I were looking for a financial advisor, my advice to myself and to all of you would be to look for a fiduciary fee only advisor. By the way, some people call themselves fee based. That's not fee only. That means they charge a fee and charge commissions. Ah. It's so tricky. It's really messy. Right. So let's say somebody is working with somebody. They don't really know who they are, their qualifications. They just know that they were either recommended by somebody who didn't know any differently or they came across someone. What would be a couple of questions that you would advise somebody to ask their financial advisor, planner, whomever it is, um, to determine what they're what their <laughs> what their status more, is, yeah, like what the status is, like how yeah. do they qualify people? Um, yeah, and that's kind of a, a loaded question, but I'm just wondering, like, let's say somebody's in like a professional it's not a relationship. Question. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah like it's if they're a in a perfect pro- question. <laughs> okay, so they're in a professional relationship with some financial somebody, and they don't really know any different, but they're just now listening and and realizing that there's so much more, so many more layers. W- what would you advise them to go back and ask these yeah. people? 
So first of all, if they work for any of the financial institutions I mentioned, they're not a fiduciary. Okay. okay? Any any big financial institution that has a brand name, if there's a stagecoach in their office or, you know, if their office is on Wall Street, they're not a fiduciary. Mm. Um, and other, you're basically looking for how do you get paid? So ask them questions about how they get paid. Say, how do you get paid? Am I paying commissions? Are, you know, are there proprietary products in my account? Are you fee only? Um, are you a fiduciary? And you want the answer to those last two questions to be yes. Um, my experience, though, now that the government has come down, the Department of Labor passed a fiduciary standard at the end of Obama's term, which Trump has, to a small extent, dismantled. But now that the government, unfortunately, has got involved, my experience, and I've definitely heard from people, that there are advisors who are not, in fact, fiduciary, and I do know that, who verbally say to their clients, I am a fiduciary. Mm. Um, and I, th- I just the whole thing is very muddied at this point. Point, but one thing you can do is you can ask for their ADV form, hmm. uh, and that is a legal form that's filed with the federal government that declares how their their business does business, how they get paid. So if you looked for, and my ADV form is easily found on the internet, they all are. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read that document, you clearly would see that I'm a fee-only fiduciary. It says it in black and white. So mm. That uh, if you if you have any qualms that your advisor is not telling the truth, ask for their ADV. Interesting. Wow. Already, I'm like my mind is like just spinning. <laughs> this is so interesting. So, no. what got you started on this journey? Oh, so, and it's a it's it's heart centered work for me at this okay. point. I um I just was always someone who had a head for numbers. I did really well in math. I came out of college and I started working for my parent parents financial planning firm. And what I got. Uh, in the beginning, truth be told, I thought it was really boring stuff. I thought it was mm-hmm. very boring work. But I started to get to know the clients. Mm-hmm. And what I learned was what I had the opportunity to do was bring a very technical skill set to bear for people in a way that really helps them. And we, we change people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I mean, doctors do too. And But financial planning is really important. So mm-hmm. I really fell in love with the work. Well, around that time, turns out I was like, not handling my own finances in a way that was constructive. I was racking up debt. I I say I had some very inauthentic financial patterns. So, mm. you know, and at one point I couldn't pay my bills. I don't during the financial crisis, I lost a condo, I lost a car. Um, and so I, I really had this, um, how do I say, humbling experience. And so I really went to to work looking for what is the key that's going to unlock what needs to be now financially productive behavior for me. And by the way, if I find that key for myself, I bet I can give it away. Mm. And so since then, I've been really taught. So I did recover totally financially, refilled the, I paid off the debt and refilled the retirement accounts. And I have a very successful business now. But so, so I've kind of moved past that phase of life. And now my, my mission in, in the world is to give that knowledge and ability away. I want women specifically, I mean, I'm, this is not uh, excluding men, but my mission is about empowering and enabling women to experience financial freedom and abundance. And 
that it's not just about money. As you know, there's Mm -hmm. so much possible in our lives when we have financial freedom. You know, you can spend time with your family. You can stop worrying. You can do your heart centered work in the world. And so that's that's really what I'm about. So is your experience why you're so passionate about helping and teaching and educating women? I mean, you've built this whole platform what what's the driving force for you? Because I can feel it. I, I I can even feel it when I'm just like looking at your website or reading any <laughs> of the content that you've created that you I can feel the passion behind it, um, oh. behind that mission and then your podcast, obviously. And so so why is that so important to you to be be working on that mission? Well, painted on my company wall in the office I'm in my, my I'm in my office but if mm-hmm. you go out in the main room right there on the wall it says creating a world where everyone in it has enough mm-hmm. and I think I think that when your cup is full as you could say mine is like I'm not in need I'm not out on the street or like I have the things that I need I'm good sure. um that you you develop or maybe you develop it before your cup is full I don't know but it you have the ability to 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 get present to humanity and like what's out there. There's a lot of things that humanity is missing right now. And it's a great time to be alive. And I'm very much an optimist and there's crap happening, right? Mm-hmm. So some people are really inspired to work on the environment and um, global climate change. And some people are really inspired to work in politics. And this is my thing. This is yeah. my vision. I, it is my resonance, right? It's the frequency I vibrate on. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love it. You ask why I don't I don't know. I don't I can't I don't know that I can really answer the why, but it is my why. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it's so needed. I mean, because like I said in the beginning, I mean, a lot of people don't want to talk about this. They don't know enough. They there's not a lot of education that is easily available now more so there is but like growing up you don't really learn about money unless your parents have healthy habits and teach you about it right I mean it's it's this things where it feels kind of like you don't ever really understand it for some people mm-hmm. and I just I I love that that's your mission because it's very much needed out there and for an audience like ours where you have a lot of self-employed people we have a lot of women entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast and kind of go into business ownership blind um, to the financial piece, right? They just they're working within their own passion. Um, it is so important to reach out to people like you and and dive into these resources because it is so key and needed in our lives. So thank you for working within that passion. Mm, Yeah. Let's talk about building your business. Let's go there a little bit. Um, Where as women, we go into something working within our missions, our whys, our passions. And then more so than men, we typically feel resistant to ask for help, resistance to hire the help. Um, How is that process for you in building your business? Because now you have a team of people, but at some point you started out on your own. What was building your business? What did that look like? And did did you struggle with that as well, where it was hard for you to get the help that you needed? Um, so for me, gosh, I think I fought the gender based demons a little bit earlier on in the process 
financial advice is a very male-dominated industry. It's as male-dominated as the STEM profession. So 82% yes. of professionals are males. And so I, I suffered tremendous insecurity in my first years in the business. By the way, all the all of my colleagues who I knew were really the colleagues of my parents, right? Because they mentored me sure. into the business. And so everybody is 30 years older than me, very distinguished, these old white men with, you know, the beautiful silver fox streaks in their hair. And here I am, this 20-something female. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, but I will say that I think that it did mess with my mind, the idea of hiring administrative support or people mm -hmm. to be, quote unquote, underneath me, I'm just being really straight and authentic about it. Yeah, it yeah. did kind of mess with my mind. It's like, wait, am I superior to these people? That doesn't feel right. How can that be? Who, who do I think I am? Kind of that sure. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it so got how did you get over that? Well, my qual I hired a business coach and she just like put her thumb on me until I did it. And so <laughs> and after the first time I hired someone and she kind of was really became a well-oiled machine, it was very very clear to me that I'll never go back. Like yeah. just the benefits of it are way too huge. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, cuz then you don't have to be all things to all people. You can build a robust business and and be able to support you know, your mission on multiple levels without having to all rely on your shoulders. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it, it sets me free to do what I do best, which is hang out with my clients and give them good advice. <laughs> right. And then the balance piece to that of having a family. So you are married and you have a, a little girl and you guys have your home life and everything. But then recently something happened that really rocked your guys's family and that support piece in your business was so key and important for you even more so right yeah yeah and i mean i knew the importance of going of having a team to support me when i went on my maternity leave i had harlan two and a half years ago in june of 2016 and interestingly my business actually grew while i was out on maternity leave new clients Amazing. came in so yeah. that was a huge win but then actually in the beginning of october on my my 42nd birthday, I brought her into the urgent care because I thought she had um, a urinary tract infection. She just had some of those symptoms. And mm -hmm. the doctor kind of took one look at her and said, uh, she needs a blood test. Well, um, then they uh, the blood test came back and uh, her hemoglobin was so low, they sent me to Stanford Children's Hospital and she got diagnosed with uh, B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Now, when they first started saying the word leukemia to me, I was... I mean, I went into like the first stage of grief. I was at full on nice. in denial. I actually said to the doctor, do you actually have an MD? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would say the same thing. Like, uh, how qualified are you to give exactly. this information? Because <laughs> she clearly does not have leukemia. She's a Hendershot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you know her lineage? Yes. <laughs> no. So anyway, we sort of were shunted. We were just sort of picked. I said to my husband, it just feels like the door got closed on our old life again our will. We spent the mm. next 11 days in the hospital with her and my team uh, cleared my calendar, handled client questions and requests. And I mean, I didn't have to worry even a little bit about the business running or clients leaving. And they communicated what was happening in a way that didn't 
shoulder people out, but also wasn't a violation of our privacy and let me communicate mm-hmm. in ways that worked for me. And um, by the way, just so the people listening, because I'm sure the word leukemia, for those of you who know, um, m- maybe you you know something about it. But for those who don't, I-, I had no idea. But childhood leukemias are largely curable at this point that most kids who actually don't make it through leukemia don't that happens because they get an infection or there's something else that goes wrong but leukemia is curable and so now she's technically in remission and so we made it through that first 30 days and now we have two and a half more years of chemotherapy remaining until she's quote unquote cured so it's a tragedy and my husband and I created together that somehow it's going to be the best thing that ever happened to us. And, you know, that's, that exists only in our speaking now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it will become reality. I, I don't, I don't know exactly how, but it will. And, right. um, and, and I just say, I can't imagine what a wreck I would be if I didn't have, you know, I have three and a half employees and they ran the business for five weeks, really five mm-hmm. and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I just can't say enough about it. I'm so grateful for them. And I said to them, you've made more of a difference in my life than anybody who reached out with the best intentions and said, mm-hmm. is there anything I can do? Is there anything I can do? Which is all people know how to say right. at a time like that. And I said, you are the people I needed and you came through with a plum. So yeah. I'm just you have my heart. Amazing. Amazing that you would have that support in your life for business. And then I'm sure in personal as well, which is so key. I want to tap into something that you said about you and your husband, you know, just kind of like choosing that mindset that like, this is going to be okay. Something great will come of this. Um, A lot of people don't really understand how important mindset is And that's a really, you know, it's not just something that you just show up with one day. It's something that you have to be very intentional about, like, working within. And I just, I want to comment on that, that I I heard that in you. Because this, whether childhood leukemia is largely curable or not, wreck people, right? I mean, just like the doubt and the unknowing and all of that. So for your mindset and your personal growth, like what have you had to tap into that made you so resilient in this process right now? What, what are some of the things that you do for your mindset strength and your personal growth? Oh, wow. You ask deep questions. (laughs) Okay. So, so look at, I'm just not going down. That's right. just, that's my life. That's how mm-hmm. I live. Um, I am resilient. I am bold. I've been called aggressive. I like to think of myself as assertive. Um, and I've fought my own demons about conversations about deserving. And I certainly have a lot of insecurities. And I, I'm just not going to suffer in life. That's mm-hmm. my intention is to live a happy a happy life. I mean, so I think I come imbued with some of those characteristics. If you're asking for 
like there's definitely things around me that bolster that ability. I mean, I have a great partner. My husband is of the same mind. And there were times when I supported him and times when he supported me around the diagnosis. I mean, one time we went home to pack. We had to get clothes for the hospital, right? And we went to this sandwich shop and there's like this little cow statue that our daughter likes to play on. And he starts crying. And I said, what's happening? And he said, the cow. And I said, you look at me. I said, she is not dead. She's in the hospital. She's alive. She's fine. She's going to sit on that cow again. We need to buck up for her. Yeah. Wow. He goes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, And, uh, you know, and I express my grief in in a slightly different way. I mean, I kind of unfortunately internalize. So I really probably think I have a small teeny little ulcer as a result. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I have emotions. Um, But Uh. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I, I go How through, powerful. I have to move through it. Mm-hmm. How powerful. I mean, that story just made me tear up a little bit. Like I can only imagine what you guys are going through and apply any other, you know, thing into it, even just like your history of like going through financial crisis, like just having that resiliency to like, just pick yourself back up and having that mindset of I'm not going down is so key. What an incredible person you are. I am even more so just like blown away. This is amazing. I I I don't know how I would handle that, you know, going through something like that. And you're in the middle of it right now. This is just happening for you guys. And here you are just sounding so strong and here and doing an interview with me. And I just, I, that takes a very strong person. I need to know more. (laughs) (laughs) I think, Uh, I think it's kind of how I came out of the womb though. It's just my nature. I'm yeah. yeah. I'm just, I'm just not going out like that. (laughs) Right. Right. I, I love it. I love it so much. So Going back to the investment side and and people now kind of like their brains spinning, they are thinking about investments. What does their future look like? Obviously, in this situation for you and your family, you had to have along the way been smart, put away money. I mean, to be dropped with the hammer of like, here's all of these medical expenses in the time of grief and in the time of running a business, you had to make sure that you were set up as well. Um, to make sure that, you know, at any given moment, you guys are as prepared as could be. Mm -hmm. So where would somebody start? Let's say I know nothing about investing. Where would you have somebody be the first place? Would it be read this book, read this article, talk to this person, talk to me? Like what, what, where would you have them start if they just have no idea how to, but know that they need to do something? What you need to know here, here's good. It's a good question. What you need to know is that if you were to believe the financial news media, the stock market is a very volatile, scary, risky place for your money. You might consider it dangerous or something like gambling. I've even heard the term Ponzi scheme. Mm. Um, the stock market is not a Ponzi scheme. Okay. Uh, some very, very smart people have been at work for a very long time. We have a lot of history, uh, transactions and data and stock price movement at this point. So very smart academics have been looking for patterns and ways to make money in the stock market. And in this point, there really, it probably isn't any new information that we need about the stock market. The ways to make money reliably and consistently in the stock market are known. 
And there's very little disagreement amongst academics about how that should go, which makes it kind of a field that's a little bit buttoned up. Okay. However, the financial news media still has to sell commercials. They still have to get you to tune in and they're in very stiff competition with the reality shows and the billions shows and the whatever shows people are watching these days. Right. So they have to find ways to scare you. Have you ever noticed if you pay attention, I mean, maybe some people are just overwhelmed and irritated with the whole messaging of it, right? But if you Mm -hmm. do pay attention to it, have you ever noticed that when the stock market is going up, it's a problem because it's a bubble. If the stock market is going down, it's a problem because it's never coming back up. And so they just create fear every, on every every single day. So I and people say to me, "Well, what what news channels do you watch?" I don't watch any financial news. There's mm-hmm. no need to. It's I don't need to know anything that they're saying because I know everything I need to know about the stock market. I've been doing what I do for 20 years. I'm extremely comfortable with what I'm doing. So you, you so not only I I hope that I've sort of perked your ears up on a couple points. And that first point is that we we do know how to make money in the stock market. And the second point is that the financial news media is not telling you the truth. Almost never. Interesting. They just want to scare you and that that's just how they get people to keep tuning in. That's right. That's right. And what I know about the stock market and the difference between what they say on the news and what's true makes me very wary about the news in general. Okay. Uh, It's, it's hard to believe almost anything you read. I mean, the, the financial news, excuse me, the news media is great for breaking news and politics and, and all that stuff, right? Like stuff that's keep you on the, 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 the no. Yeah, in the in the hot topic, right? Mm-hmm. But for stuff where we already have a body of knowledge, it's just they they just are generating noise to scare, literally to scare you. And um, so 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 I've said that what we do know how to interact with the stock market in profitable ways, and those ways. So as a financial advisor, I can't give financial advice to you if I don't know you. So if you're listening, I haven't considered your individual. Uh, situation. So don't go out and buy anything based on what I'm saying today. But for the most part, what you need to do is get involved in low cost investments. A lot of people buy just index funds, get involved in low cost investments because the number one predictor of low investment returns is high investment costs. So you get low cost investments and then you get the right ones and then you just ride the ride. It's buy and hold, baby. It's the mm. opposite of Wall Street because Wall Street needs you to buy and sell and buy and sell and buy and sell so that they make money. Know how to beat that kind of investment strategy actually is no data. There's not one single time has anyone done it over the long haul. Mm. So everyone's, there's every year some monkey's going to throw a dart at a board and produce really high returns. But all the data we have says that that person will not, with that strategy, will not produce higher the higher returns than the kind of investment I'm talking about consistently over time. So I say to my clients, your investments should be boring because your life should be exciting. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I like and, that. <laughs> yeah, you need a lot of diversification. My clients own 10,000 different companies. That's a lot of companies. Yeah. Um, and and in that way, we we diversify out of the investment portfolio a lot of the risks that people are afraid of and have suffered in the past. Mm-hmm. So 
I said a lot. I hope that helps. Um, Absolutely. It's okay, so yeah. interesting. And, and you know, we're not going to, like, dive into everything there is to know today. We'd be here probably for a couple of weeks recording content. No, and, and <laughs> but, it would probably really bore people. Right. So. <laughs> but what they basically need to do is plug in, to, like, with somebody like you where they can have a more um, – you know, personalized conversation about it and, and just get advice with the right type of people. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Find a fiduciary fee-only advisor who has uh, a passive or market-based investment methodology, and you're probably going to be in the right, you're, you're going to be in the right tractor beam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. And I just, again, going back to like the, we need to feel empowered around these types of conversations and gain that education so that we can build our futures and build our lives and stop using you know, the, the naive excuse as a crutch, um, cause that's not going to get us anywhere. So to wrap up, what would be, you've, you've built a su- successful business. You have a great personal life. Finding that balance, I feel like would be pretty key in that. What would be for our listeners, your top three tips of advice for building your life or your business? You really are Oprah. Okay. (laughs) Top three tips for building your life or advice. Everything in my life is on a context of managing my word, managing my integrity. So doing what I said I would do by when I said I would do it. And then um, and then having an empowered context about that. And integrity is always going out. So I'm not talking about morality. I'm not talking about doing the right thing or the wrong thing. I'm simply talking about being someone whose word matters in the world. If I say something to you, it's going to come true, or I'm going to acknowledge it before I miss the deadline and make a new promise about it. And that's it. It's not about being righteous or anything like that. I love that. But what that does is it has it has your life work. Like I keep my bills paid. I keep I keep my 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 clients know my word matters. My employees know my word matters. My husband knows my word matters. So there's no I have a totally drama free life, right? Dr- drama really right. is about people's integrity being out, right? right. Um, so second, I would say um, I I do believe in living a goals based life that. Some people can just sort of sail and get to where they want to be. But um, for me, I want to always be expanding and growing. I want to have specific articulated goals and I want to be either achieving them or developing myself to achieve them. And then, gosh, third, I have to fit my most important piece of advice in the third piece. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> um, well... I think, let me just say for me lately, I realized that I had gotten, and this is before before the leukemia diagnosis, and it's possible that that diagnosis is my pivot into this next phase of life, which I hope will be far more fulfilling. But for me, I had really gotten lost about thinking that when I was broke and couldn't pay my bills, I was worthless. So then, of course, if I could be rich, then I would be worthwhile. And I threw myself into building my business and I sort of I would do anything to to grow, to bring in, to make make attention, you know, get attention, do marketing, you know, speaking gigs. I flew all around the country to do um, to do uh news. I was on the t- television news for a while. I did like a 
a news tour, a, a PR wow. tour. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's just, is a lot, there's a lot of cost on you as a woman, an individual and a wife. And I'm, I wasn't a mother at the time, but what I've got, what I've got, what I've realized, what I've realized through the help of lots of people and experiences is that, um, I have innate value and that it doesn't come from the money I make and that I have the opportunity in life to be the best of myself in every area. And that means being with my daughter when I'm with my daughter. That means scheduling date nights. That means that I don't get my sense of worth from my business. And I, it was very empty to get to a place where I'm, I'm almost had seven, seven figures of revenue and to realize that I wasn't necessarily happier than I was when I, when I had you know, maybe five figures of revenue, um, yeah. uh, that it doesn't give you happiness. And so I, I think fine for me, it's about finding my self worth inside myself. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So good. Those were great three top tips. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. I was really intimidating. <laughs> so to wrap up, um, how do people connect with you from here? You are on social podcast. How, how do they get to know more about you, who you are, what you do from here? Yeah, well, if you're a podcast listener, and obviously you are because you're here with us yes. in your little earbuds, and you have room in your podcast lineup, I'd love it if you'd check out Profit Boss Radio. It's right there wherever you so access good. your podcast, and it's easy since you're already listening to a podcast. Uh, if you want to check out my website, I've got a very um, a very detailed blog, lots of financial resources on there at HillaryHendershot.com, and my first name has one L, and my last name has two T's, so HillaryHendershot.com. Fabulous. Thank you so much for being with us today. So valuable. You left us with so many great, incredible things. I know people are going to be going back to ask their financial people all these questions or looking into, you know, how they start to invest. So thank you for your time. So, so appreciated. Um, I just thank you for all that you provided for us today. Thanks. You have a great podcast. You're very good. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the She Leads Me podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share with your fellow female leaders and consider leaving us a five-star review. Also, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram to get the latest information in the She Leads Me community. See you next time.